It's Tuesday, July 3rd, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, Dr. Rick recently did a webinar on discipling kids from hard places, and it was a very well-attended webinar, and many people since then have been able to download the content and watch the webinar in full. And so even at the end of today's podcast, you will find in today's show notes, you can get the URL that will lead you to that webinar. But we thought we would come and just give a synopsis of that webinar. And so, Dr. Rick, you know, even as you uh, went through the webinar, one of the things that you did is you shared some of your own personal story. So, you know, kind of even as you look at discipling kids from hard places, you and Denise have had the opportunity to be able to disciple your own children. So talk a little bit about your own story and how that kind of really melds into this whole topic. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Herbie, the for us, the, the task of discipleship is is ultimately the reason for parenting. It's the reason for, you know, it's the reason for family, right? That that the Lord blesses us with children so that we can raise our children to to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. And but I but I think one of the things we weren't prepared for as parents, um, stepping off on the journey of of being adoptive parents is that that there's greater complexity in in helping our children to trust and to to find faith in Christ. And and what we what we've come to understand and, and part of what I've come to understand, even, you know, even professionally doing research in, in, you know, in the area of developmental psychology is, is the idea that, um, it's like our friend Karen Purvis says, right? We, we I love it when, when science catches up to God and, and that, that God's institution of the family, um, and, and the, and the way that a family is supposed to nurture a child is like there are developmentally appropriate things that families do in order to, to build security and attachment in children. And we talk about that all the time with adoptive parents that, that like part of what your children didn't have is, is this idea of, of safety and security and predictability that really helps them to, you know, to grow and, and to, um, to grow more normally. Mm. Um, what I don't think we were prepared for necessarily was, was the impact of, of that dysregulation on, on our kids' ability to conceptualize and to trust God. Um, and that, and that part of what we're doing, um, with children when we're, when we're sort of completing that attachment cycle with them is we're not just building an earthly comfort. We're not just building an ability to relate to the world well or, or, you know, or, or keeping, you know, bad behaviors at bay or all kinds of things that are all true. Fundamentally, what we're doing is we're plowing the ground in a child's life for for them to to be able to move into a trust relationship with God. And, and so what we see a lot of times with with kids that are coming from hard places is is they they ha- fundamentally have have trouble trusting God because they they fundamentally don't trust anything um, or they struggle to trust anything. And and so I think for for adoptive parents, sometimes they, they think we're, we're a little bit crazy when we say, you know, like all these things that we need to do in order to um, to, to work on and, and for the primacy of attachment. But what I what I think sometimes we fail to realize is this is not not just about a child's earthly life. It's not just about their inclusion in our family. Like we're talking about something that's really a high stakes um, spiritual enterprise. And it's it's literally um, like God's work in the life of a child for a parent to, you know, to work in those issues and, and remediate them. And we've to- we've certainly found that to be true. 
Yeah. And so I know one of the things that, that you've looked through, even as you've looked at this and, and even like you said, Karen Purvis said, it's so great when science and God start to meet. And we know that science and really psychology is the study of, of what's known. And a lot of times scientists try to infuse their worldview into that. But the truth of the matter is everything that is created was created by God for a purpose. And so I think a lot of times there's skepticism, specifically when you talk about psychology, when you talk about science. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really, if we're patient with science and if we see that really all that they're discovering, when you take it out of the worldview it actually goes to prove a biblical worldview. And so talk a little bit about when, you, when you're when you dealing with children in hard places, most of the research has been done by secular people. So how do we value the scientific observation without embracing the worldview? How do we infuse the biblical true worldview into the scientific observation? Well, so, so just kind of put really simply and, and the, the way, the way that we tend to look at it, um, all of these psychological theories that, that we, that we base so much of, of our understanding of life on, our understanding of education on, at, at the end of the day, they're, they're really just, they're born of observation of human beings being human beings. And, and, and so there, there's not a, there's not a worldview to ob- observation. Um, things are either true and observable or they're not. The, the problem comes in when people take observable fact and then try to, try to shape a reason to it based on their worldview. And so you hit on exactly the, you know, the right issue. I, I think, you know, I, I look back in, you know, in the past and, and probably anybody that's taken, you know, even a high school or college level psychology class recognizes the name Eric Erickson. And, and Erickson, you know, has this psychosocial theory of development that talks about the, the, the stages of life and, and kind of the appropriate developmental task or the appropriate developmental crisis at each, you know, at each point. With like, without getting into the weeds too much, I mean, what, what Erickson is saying is that there's a sequence to development and, and there are things that come before other things. There are things that are foundational and there are things that are built upon them. Um, with regard to Erickson says that, that the, that the, that the, crisis of, of, of infancy is trust, basic trust versus mistrust. Um, in other words, the job of an infant, the job of parents is to provide a safe, predictable, um, calm, you know, steady environment for a child so that they learn that, that, you know, that, that there's a basic way to the world functioning and, and that they have an organized view of, of life that can be built upon by like everything else that, you know, that comes to them. The problem with our kids is they've grown up in environments where they didn't have that kind of predictability. There was no mom there to change them when they were dirty. There was nobody to feed them when they, when they cried and when they were hungry. And so that patterning that God, and this isn't science. This is no scientist made this up. This is God. And, and, and so God set about a plan where families would nurture and keep kids close and, and, and that we would, we would predictably meet the needs of our children and that our children would learn that there's a basic order to the world, right? Because mm. God is order and right. he provides a basic order that, that our kids would learn that there's a sense of predictability, that, that when certain things happen, good things happen, you know, good things result. When bad things happen, mm. bad things result. All, all of those sorts of things. But, but, but what we deal with in, in children who haven't had that sort of basis built for them 
it's, it's just ultimately the, 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 the science leads us to a place that we understand the deep struggle that's, that's going on with our children. And so when we're going back and, and trying to backfill that hole by bringing consistency and by meeting needs and, and, and really, quite frankly, things for us that feel burdensome and they feel at times unnecessary and they feel like we're, we're going over the top, I think sometimes the tendency as an adoptive parent is to discount that a little bit and say, well, you know, that's just something that some theorist says or that's something psychologists say, but I don't really know how important that is. And, and what I'm here to, here to tell you is that it's, it's drastically important, but it's not just important for a child's earthly life or, or for them learning to find comfort and security in this life. Ultimately, they're going to transfer those feelings to how they feel about God. Um, as a youth pastor, and I know you've had this experience as well, serving, you know, serving churches and serving as a youth pastor, that, that sometimes the, the, the most difficult conversations to have about faith with a teenager is with a teenager who doesn't have a very good relationship with their earthly dad or they don't have a very good example. Right. And so they're, they're asking the question in a really sophisticated way, like, how can I trust a, a loving heavenly father when I, I haven't ever been able to trust any kind of father? Well, like you multiply that times a hundred, a thousand, a million, whatever, when, when the, the deep seated wound is in that, in that basic sense of basic trust. And, and so I think that's why it's so important. It's why church volunteers need to help and participate by, you know, by, by reinforcing what's going on at home. It's why we did equip to love and created this resource to train church volunteers. It's why, you know, it's why we do webinars and things to help, you know, grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles know how to, you know, know how to, to be a part of the, the attachment cycle. Because at the end of the day, we don't believe that, that this is a small thing. We believe it's an epic thing. Mm-hmm. Because, because it's ultimately going to influence a way, the way that a child is going to look at Jesus and their capacity to follow it. Yeah. And so we, we want to, we want to learn from science, not necessarily embrace science. And I think really when you look at science, a lot of what science is trying to do, like you've even said, is explain the reason that things are broken. So from the Christian worldview, we can instantly insert, we know why things are broken. Things are broken because of sin. And so if we insert sin into what science is teaching us, we have a perfect place to go back and to explain to our children, this is not the way, your story is not the way that God designed it, but God is redemptive in his purposes and can reclaim that. But we learn from science what, what happens to the brain when it doesn't get that. But that's the deal. God knew that the brain would happen that way. That's why he provided that children would have families. That's why he provided that there would be a mom and a dad. And so we just really uh, need to look at that. But we also need to understand because we live in a sinful, broken world, unfortunately, Unfortunately, faith is not a, a determined deal. There's 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 a, there's work at that, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit that needs to be done. And so, certainly, we don't want to be trite, but we need families need to realize that their biggest challenge is to consistently get on their knees and pray for their children, right? right? Because it's only the Lord that's going to change their heart. It's going to change their behavior. But ultimately, the goal that we're all going for is ultimately going to redeem them. And so one of the things you talk to families about in this discipling children from hard places is the impossibility of faith. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I I think, and and I draw it straight from the scriptures. I mean, look at at what Jesus said in in John chapter 3. He says, beginning in verse 6, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit, to spirit. 
Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear the sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is every, so it is with everyone born of the spirit. I mean, Jesus is, is speaking of the life of Nicodemus and he's saying this, this miraculous thing is going to happen. It's that, that you're being born of the spirit is, is not a fleshly thing. It's not an equation of, of, of reason. It's, it's, it's a work of God. Um, and, and I think that's, that to me is the counterweight as a parent to say, like, I look into the face of the trauma of our kids and, and I, and I, and I, sometimes I wonder, you know, can, can we do enough? Can we, can we fill up that void? And what I realize at the end of the day is that God has called me to play a, a, a part and a significant part in the discipling of my children. But, but the salvation of my kids is, is, is the, is the work of the spirit and it, and it's ultimately a work of God. And, and so that doesn't mean that I don't play the role that I play. God's given me that role and, and he's called me to it and he holds me accountable to it as a father. Um, and, and so, and so my job is to, is as an adoptive parent is to do those things to um, to ensure attachment and bonding and to do those things to make sure that I'm that I'm that I'm putting out example and putting the scriptures out in front of my children and doing all of those things but at the end of the day I can put my head on my pillow at night knowing that it, that it's not my work mm. that ultimately that 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 the the spirit of holy God is active and alive and and working in the lives of my children I'm sorry I get emotional mm. but you know there there are times where I think as adopted parents, we, we stay overwhelmed. And this is one of those places where we can say, man, being overwhelmed is good news. Um, because, because it, it, it ultimately is a place that we can, you know, we can trust God. John 6, 44, I'll, I'll point out one more verse. It says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. And then this is the, this is kind of the goal part for us. It says, as it is written in the prophets in verse 45, um, and they will all be taught by God. And so my responsibility, your responsibility, all of our responsibility as parents is to teach our children and to point them toward the Lord. But it's also to realize that ultimately God will be their teacher um, and that he will make up for, um, for what we lack. Yeah. And so <clears throat> what a beautiful picture that we ultimately are not responsible for the changes and the salvation and the work that's happening in our children. Uh, you know, I, I think of Psalm 146. It says, put not your trust in man or in the son of man or in the prince of man. You know, praise the Lord because we're not the rescuers nor the hope of the fatherless. The hope of the fatherless is not in us. The hope of our children is not in us. And I think just for, for families who may be in a difficult place, they've brought home a child from a difficult place and now they're in a difficult mm -hmm. place. What, what freedom to know that God will always call us to more than we can handle. So, you know, he will always put us in places that there's more to handle so that we can cry out to him who will, his presence will then come and invade us and help us overcome our situations. But, you know, I know that Dr. Rick, you and I share this, obviously at all, we, we, we work like it all depends on <laughs> us and we pray knowing that it all depends on God. So with that, what are some practical tips that you would give families as they are looking to disciple their children that come from hard places? So, you, so first off, you, you, you took the you took the very first one right out of my mouth, and that that is that we need to pray like our kids' lives depend on it mm -hmm. because they do. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and 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 the fact is that that we have to realize that this is not something. Um, this is not a natural enterprise. It's a supernatural enterprise, and we need we need God's help. I, I think the second thing is that, that I, to challenge parents to continue to work on attachment, even when you don't think it's working, mm-hmm. even when you don't think it's helping, even that that and that this is this is on some level a wound that we will never probably completely fill up in the lives of our children. But it doesn't mean that we don't want to continually you know work on that and and to serve in it. But what we what we have to realize in this is that that this is key kingdom work it's it's not it's not merely parent work um, and that and that we are we are really literally creating room and creating an environment in which the spirit is going to come in and work and in which in, in which Christ is 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 going to work in their lives when they feel more secure I, I think you know I, I look at like Deuteronomy chapter 6 and and this idea that 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 God when he when he gave to Israel this this idea of passing on the faith from generation to generation he didn't tell them go to school he didn't say mm-hmm. you know start a Sunday school he didn't he didn't say you know have your kids be read a bunch of good books what he said is 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 the lord put a a pattern out for them he said when you rise up talk about it and when you sit down talk about it and when you go out of your house and when you come back into your house no by the way i've told you to paint it on your doorpost and 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 i've told you to make it part of the environment around you so that your kids can't turn to the right or left they can't go in or out of the door without you know without seeing and, and and hearing the word of god and i think Part of what we want to we want to make sure that we do for our kids is is in very concrete ways to explain to them and, and give them a reason for the hope that we have. And, and, I, and I think sometimes that, that one of the things that, that's often a deficit for kids that are coming from hard places is um, that they're going to they're going to really struggle. Many of them with executive function, with like higher order thinking. And that's that's something that's going to lag behind. And so we need to be really intentional to explain to them who we are and why we do what we do and, and to give meaning to the things that we do, um, you know, in our day. Like one of the things like like pray like your your kids mm-hmm. lives depend on it. Let your kids catch you pray. Mm-hmm. Let let them let them see you being on your face before the father. Let them let them hear you being repentant and and admitting your own mistakes, but but also casting yourself on on Christ in those moments. And, and I think, and, and that, and realize that, that kids are, are probably many of them that are coming from hard places are not going to outgrow that. And they're going to need that kind of reinforcement. Um, I think, you know, keep telling them their story and keep telling them the story mm-hmm. and keep connecting the two together. You know, I don't think we have to over-romanticize our kids' stories. We, we don't, you know, we have to be careful about the details we share and when we share them and, and what's appropriate. Um, but but what, what, I, what I do think we always want to do is we want to be able to point back to our kids and point to God's providential care for them. The, the fact that they have a story um, and, and that we can tell in, in age-appropriate ways and that we can connect to God's greater, grander story of redemption. Um, you know, we, I mean, we've continued to use the Jesus Storybook Bible with our kids, um, you know, well into their school age years and, and beyond. You know, it's not like we're sitting down reading it every night, mm. but we've continued to go back to those stories that point to, um, to, you know, God's hand and, and to trace God's intervention with our kids and, and to remind them at times that that same God is the one who brought you to us. That that same God is the one who protected you through abuse. That 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 same God is the one that was never not mindful of you. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and, and for, for them to, I, I remember Eric used to, Eric used to jump up in the bed with us when he was little and, and every, every night he would ask the same question. He'd say, tell me the story of how we got me. Mm. And, and, and what I believe our responsibility as parents is to tell them that miraculous story over again about how, how we got me, mm. but, but to tell them more about how, how Christ has us all. Um, and, and about what, what Jesus has done. And then finally, I think, you know, looking for simple tools along the way. I mean, I, you know, again, going back educationally and, and I mean, think about how people learned how to, how to read in the 1800s. It was the New England primer, right? It was this, it was a simple little book that went through the alphabet and had, had words that, that, that illustrated scriptural principles and people learned to read because they learned the scriptures and because, because they learned key biblical concepts. And I think sometimes we get so overwhelmed, particularly in the beginning of the journey as an adoptive parent, when we're trying to see language competency grow and international adoption. And when we're trying to see attachment happen and we're trying to, you know, see all these things that we, we forget that, that, that those tools, um, you know, and, and using simple scripture, scripture based tools can be a great way to, you know, really to help our kids not only learn, um, the, the basics of the faith and, and, and attach, um, attach their minds to those things, but, but they can actually help along with things like language competency and, um, you know, and other developmental tasks that we need to see, that we want to see accomplished in their lives. And so, you know, I think, it, and it's, it's just using, you know, using the stuff around us. Um, and, and I, I think, you know, Herbie, I think back to a story just really quickly that, um, some, you know, some months ago we had a, we had a family who, um, they were, they were pretty distraught because they, they reached out to one of our, one of our post adoption workers and, and they said, we've, we've adopted these two children. And, and now every time we bow our heads to pray, our kids melt down. And so we don't, we don't know what to do. Mm. And so we kind of sat down as a problem solving team and, and sat down and said, okay, well, let, like, what, what can we tell this family? Well, I think the most important things we told them was one, don't stop praying. Mm. <laughs> like if there's ever been a time in your life that you've needed to pray, pray. So. And don't don't stop letting your kids see you pray. Mm. They they need your kids need to see from the very beginning that you have a confidence in God and that you have a comfort with God and that you'll approach God as father. But guess what? Maybe you don't need to bow your heads and pray in the way that you're doing it right now because because maybe there's something either in experience or some traumatic event or whatever, but but what this family found was that when they kept their heads up and they they kept kept their eyes open, but they talked to God in front of their kids, their kids didn't melt down anymore. Mm. Um, the third thing, you know, that, that, that we, um, we reminded them of is, is we just wanted to remind them and to, to build a, a support group around them that it's not always going to be like that. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in seasons of, of, of when we're walking through these hard patches with our kids and sometimes when trauma and neglect are, are, are raising their ugly head, I, I think it, it's important for you to, to bring a group of people around you who will speak truth and will ultimately speak the truth of God. God's word into your life at a time when maybe you're struggling to believe it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, so much of this is about consistency. It's about routine. It's about, you know, the, 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 the long-term investment that we're making in the lives of our kids. Um, and, and in the moment, 
Um, it may seem like you're making things worse in, in things that you're doing. Um, but I would just, I would encourage, you know, parents to, um, to major on the minor or major on the majors, don't major on the minors. Um, and, and to, and to recognize this for what it is, which is, which is a high stakes spiritual battle and it's spiritual warfare. And at the end of the day, and and you and I both talk about this a lot, Satan doesn't want families to adopt children. Satan doesn't want families to foster children. Satan doesn't want kids that have been harmed um, to to be redeemed. Satan Satan hates it. He detests it. And so he's going to come at your family. He's going to come at you. And and, and I think being ready in that kind of Ephesians 6, whole armor of God kind of way to realize that it's going to be tough, but we we can trust a God who, who will accomplish this in the lives of our kids and in our lives too. Amen. Well, Satan certainly does not want these kids to be claimed for Christ. And in the darkness where they are, in the hard places where they are, uh, they are typically um, not in places where the light of Christ is being shown. And so when we go and shine the light of Christ in the lives of these children, we we have to expect that the kingdom of darkness is going to attack back. And so, Dr. Rick, this has been helpful, and I know that the full webinar had so many more details and a lot more practical steps as well of and stories and, and applications of, of everything that we've talked about today. And so I just want to encourage you, if you'd like to see this whole webinar, if you will look in the show notes for the URL, you can click on that and be able to view the entire webinar in its entirety. And then you can also just email Dr. Rick directly at rick.morton at lifelinechild.org. And again, that's rick.morton at lifelinechild.org. And he can send you the follow-up material that's also mentioned in the webinar. Or maybe if you don't have time to watch the webinar, but you just want to know what that follow-up material is, he'd be glad to send that to you as well. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.